Welcome back to another episode of Podcast Room by a Software Engineer. I'm your host, Perry, and today we're going to be talking about all the engineering job titles. And um, why in the world do we want to talk about this? Because the cool thing is that it impacts every single person that works at a tech job, or even just anybody who has a job. You basically have a title when you agree upon your contract. And um, yeah, I think like it really affects what we do every day. Um, there's this kind of concept as well that if you work in tech, when you have a job title, you're so part of the system, which they call kind of like the software engineering ladder, where uh, the I guess the, the similarity is that you progress through the ladder, you kind of climb it as you go. So we're definitely going to be touching a lot of that. But um, today I'm joined with Andy and Stan. Yo, Stan, how are you doing today? I'm good. And you, Andy? Yo. So I'm actually glad that um, you, know, you guys are joining me today because, uh, as I was saying, we we're all involved in like, we're all part of the system at the end of the day, right? We're all part of this like ladder that we're trying to climb subconsciously or consciously. The reason I'm saying that is because some people don't even know this ladder exists or some people don't even care about their title as we go. So um, yeah, I'm definitely super stoked to talk about that kind of stuff today. But I think like just as a general question to start with is that when did you start caring about titles or when did you start being aware of them or like what impact it had by the time you actually agreed on to, you know, starting a job? So yeah, I kind of want to pick your minds about it. What do you think about that, Andy? Um, I probably cared about it like um, right away because like typically uh, titles are kind of associated with um, like a pay range and like uh, my goal is definitely to try to make as much money as I possibly can. So kind of try to aim for the highest title I can get. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair point because I mean, I even mentioned it right at the beginning is that it's slightly coupled and like related to, I guess, like your total compensation with uh, how it goes. But yeah, what's your thought on that, Stan? Um, I'm probably in a pretty similar boat. Like I've always been aware of it. I think earlier on in my career, I didn't like, uh, I didn't focus a lot of my thoughts in terms of like, oh, what level am I? I was more just trying to actively learn. But as my career has progressed, uh, I've become more conscious about it. Um, as Andy mentioned, it does affect your compensation band, um, which level you are. But I think there are some other things out a lot of this stuff is also relative from company to company, so it's hard to compare what what these levels actually mean sometimes. Yeah, and the things like, um, I can even say this as a, as a general sense is that not only in tech, but if you look at any job role in the world, like some of them are just not as descriptive as what it actually does. So you have like, whatever, uh, lead account executive from operations or something like that. Like you have a lot of these terms that are put together and then the first time you read it doesn't really mean anything. But then, like, you got to find a way to, you know, justify why you have these titles and what it does to the end. And the other point that was really cool that you brought up is that, like, a title at a company might be different from uh, a title. Or, sorry, the same title at two different companies will entail two different tasks or two different roles or two responsibilities mm-hmm. at two different companies. Which is why um, I'm not going to say it's fully subjective, but there's a lot of room to, like, think about what kind of what kind of role you have and does it actually reflect what you do every day. So... I think, I mean, the, the way I'm talking about this is that, like, yeah, I think about job titles quite a lot. I think about engineering ladders quite a lot. But um, at the beginning, it probably never crossed my mind. Like, when, when you accept your first, like, engineering job, you don't really, like, haggle on what you want to be called at the company, like, what kind of role you want to begin with. But that was my experience. Um, did you, did you like, just out of, uh, you know, looking down the past, did you ever haggle not like bargain but like did you discuss what was your role title at your first ever engineering job or was that ever a thing that got brought up yeah i mean i don't really uh care that much i probably focused a lot more on the compensation yeah than, uh, the 
title. Yeah, I'm probably in a similar boat, though I I will say there I know some people have been uh have like <laughs> sometimes it matters a lot to them whether they're called like a software engineer versus like a soft like a developer or web developer or something because I think like the term engineer sometimes holds a little bit more prestige but in like the grand scheme of things it's again it's just a it's just a name <laughs> yeah like your responsibilities are probably the same regardless of what's on your offer letter that's actually a really good point because when you say the word programmer like web developer i've actually seen many cases where depending on which part of the world one term is more prioritized than another which is weird like in in the u.s bay area kind of thing like seeing the word software engineer is probably like the standard that people will agree across the field but then if you look at some part in like Asia or some part in like Europe, the main term that people would use, like I've seen like web developer as like a very common term that people would use for basically some software engineers that we do nowadays. So I think s some of the distinctions between them in certain areas is like a web developer is more of like they will be given specs and they will implement those specs as opposed to like a software engineer might be someone that also designs those specs as well. And mm -hmm. then they may or may not also implement those specs. Um, so yeah, that holds a little bit more responsibility. But I'm not sure if that distinction is made at very many companies in the Bay Area. That's the thing. And yeah, we could already just say that um, a lot of this, uh, sorry, this experience that we, we're currently seeing is going to be mostly influenced by being in the Bay Area to begin with, because that's kind of like, I'm not going to say the standard, but a lot of companies take this area as like a like a inspiration to how they manage their company. Whether they're a company in London or they're a company in in Asia, I think the model that people use in the Bay Area is quite popular and it's quite standardized. So yeah, super excited to dive into that because uh, we'll be talking about the engineering ladder as well. Um, so yeah, it's really interesting to see that at the beginning. I wouldn't be surprised where younger engineers like when you get your first job, you don't really talk about these job title as much just because. I guess the conversation is obviously important, but then it's kind of like a breath of knowledge missing. You don't really think about the engineering ladder, the job titles, but you know, just to put into context is what basically is a job title to begin with? Like if we put some parameters into it, I think the question would be like, what factors uh, would you use to associate somebody with a specific title? Uh, one of the example I could give is uh, years of experience, for example. If you're very uh, green, very young, then it makes sense to start off as either like, you know, a junior software engineer. So are there any other factors similar other than like years of experience that you could, you know, think about to associate somebody with a, you could call them a director of engineering because of this? Probably just responsibilities, I think. Like, I mean, if someone has the, has the title software engineer, I would assume that they are responsible for engineering software. But uh, there's... Um, their area of expertise, like someone can be like a back-end software engineer, and they like basically specialize in doing back-end work. That's actually a really good point, because when you're saying like uh, their expertise, for example, uh, if we break it down in terms of the different roles of an engineer, it's so vast. You have like infrastructure engineer, you have security engineers, you have, you know, web developers, and you also have all kind of like different tasks that uh, not every engineer could do at the same time. Like if you're asking me to be a full-time like DevOps infrastructure engineer at the moment, I could do it, but it's not going to be like my main responsibility. And there's no way I'm going to be able to say I'm a infrastructure engineer just because of like the, the expertise I have and the responsibilities I have as I go. So I really did like that that part. And for you, Stan, did you have any other like factor where, um, you know, looking at 
if you're ever giving a title to somebody who works in tech, what kind of factor would you use to pinpoint that? I think like at least when I'm like, whenever I'm looking for like a job or in the job market, uh, title titles are good for your initial kind of your initial impression of what you should expect the responsibilities to be. I think like there are some general conceptions that are like pretty uniform across a lot of the job listings, at least within the Bay Area. Like if someone's if you're like a if you're like a junior level engineer, I think people will expect you to be able to like implement, you know, certain things to an okay degree. But if you're mm-hmm. if you see a, a job that has a title of senior and software engineer, oftentimes though that title means that you probably will be expected to have more responsibilities. Some of those responsibilities may be to, um, you know, mentor more junior engineers. It could be to to make sure that people are using the proper coding practices. And I think these titles are kind of like a bit of a shorthand for a lot of these like general ideas of what you should consider like um, an engineer at like that level. Yeah. And it's actually not even that surprising where you have this blur between levels, right? You have like a software engineer, like a regular software engineer that has a lot of responsibilities that senior software engineers end up doing as well. Mm-hmm. And then you also have like senior engineers who have like roles or tasks that, you know, sometimes junior engineers do, but they also get part of it. So it's kind of like this kind of blurry, but then as we're going to, you know, get onto the ladder, we're going to see how it kind of ties in together. Um, so yeah, I think like the general picture that I'm, pre- I'm very much agree with what you guys are saying that like just looking at the responsibilities of an engineer or like looking at their task and what their day-to-day look like gives you an idea of the job title at the end of the day, which I guess, which is why everybody has a job title is that everybody does something at a company. Um, and if you stop doing that, and I don't know how long you're going to be staying there. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I guess like we're, we're listing all these like fun job titles. Uh, it's easier to understand it if there's a continuation, sorry. So I think it's fair to say that every time you join a company, you're going to be more on the, no, that's not true. Every time you start your career, you're going to be more on the younger level, uh, being a, you know, whether an intern or a junior engineer. And then like, we're going to talk about this progression where it's like from a junior engineer, where do you go? Do you go into a regular engineer and then into senior engineer? And then what's after that? Because like, if those are the only three levels that exist, then how are we going to manage to figure out a company that is like hundreds of thousands of people at the end of the day? So the next, I guess, point that I really want to like figure out is what would be like your, your take or like what's your impression of a software engineering ladder? Because we hear this term a lot. I don't know if it's specifically only to the Bay Area or even if it originated in the Bay Area, but um, I don't think that's something that is like, you know, uncommon for people to talk about. <laughs> We're talking about it now. <laughs> so yeah, what's your take on it? Like, what is an engineering ladder, and what do you what do you think of it, Andy? Um, I mean, it's basically just uh, the ordering of levels in a way where like pay and like responsibilities increase. Um, ideally, something you'd want to follow like through your entire career. Like the ladder itself seems pretty common. Like I think almost every career has like a ladder. Like say if you're an electrician or like a uh, or a uh, or a carpenter, there's like what like um, you can be a. Uh, I forgot what their term for intern is. Apprenticeship or like... Yeah, you can be an apprentice and then like a journeyman and then et cetera. Mm-hmm. I kind of really like that. Uh, just because in, in the back of my head is... Uh, I don't know if it's true across all professions in Japan, but Japan has a lot of these like mentorships where you go into it and then you're seeing like a craftsmanship, somebody who wants to make like 
even sushi, for example, the art of sushi making, they have this like system, right? Where it spans over tens and tens and tens of years. And then you kind of, I don't know if they have a job title for every level, but then like you started an apprenticeship and then you like, you become the rice guy or something <laughs> like, <laughs> so I feel like that's some parallel to it, but yeah. What's your take on that, Stan? Yeah, I think uh, like generally a career ladder is kind of like a formalized way for people to kind of know what the next step in their career is. I think oftentimes it can be good as like a guideline for that. Like if you're currently a junior engineer, if you like a properly defined career ladder will tell you what the what you need to be able to what you should be contributing and what your responsibility should be um, to get to like the next level. And with that come also like kind of formal definitions of what your what your compensation should be around. That's a um, yeah. good way of looking at it because um, some people will accept the fact that they're going to be doing a job and they're going to be never pushing the boundaries or subconsciously they'll be doing their job every single day. And then like they don't have their own expectation of, getting to the next level. Some people are very happy where they are. Some people are like at a yeah. certain point of their life and they're like, I'm fine where I am. Why do I need to go on to another level? You know? Um, so which is why I think like there's also cases where people don't even know this concept exists because they're just like living their life. They're doing what they do. Their the roles are quite the same. The given example is that like, there's always going to be something that needs to be built. So if they're just going to keep on building stuff every single day, like a feature on a web <laughs> website every time, then yeah, why why do they have to think about this progression at the end of the day? So that's kind of how I see it is that, you know, the, the engineering ladder is there, but I don't think that from a enforcement point of view is enforced onto every single person as opposed to a job title. A job title is, a, is not enforced, but you're given one. Everybody has one, right? Everybody respects that as it goes, but not everybody follows a ladder or not everybody, you know, respects it as they work somewhere. Is that something that, you know, you think, you think I sound crazy saying or... I actually think pretty differently than that. I think the latter is still more or less enforced by age. So like it, it definitely is possible for someone to be a junior engineer for a very long time, maybe five, six years. But there's going to be a certain point where like just because of how old they are, they can't keep up with everyone else. Like the whole reason why ladders have existed in careers, I think, is so that people can still be effective. Like say if, if you if you work in a trade like you're a carpenter, for example, like you cannot do the grindy work of an apprentice when you're like 50 years old. That's, a, that's like the whole reason they need people like that to kind of use their experience work, like a less taxing job to kind of uh, make everything run well. And I think software engineering is kind of the same too, even though this is a white collar job where you only type, it's just like at a certain age, you can no longer put in the 5,000 hour work weeks to push features out. I've never actually thought about it that way, but that actually just opened a little bit more of how, you know, I perceive the relationship between uh, you doing what you do and in the bigger picture, how you fit in this, you know, system at the end. Is that something that you, you also thought about or? I actually think, <laughs> I don't think age, well, ideally, I don't think age should affect at least like software engineering, like titles uh, or experience. Ideally, we if you could strip those away and just look at what people, what someone is contributing and their active responsibilities and give them a title based off of that, that would be like my idealized world. So mm -hmm. oftentimes when I think of it, it's, it's within that framework. Um, yeah, I, I prefer to keep it just to the work, but there definitely is when you're trying to manage a lot of people, it can be hard to understand each person's contributions at a very nuanced level. So I could see why people kind of use age or years of experience as like a simpler heuristic to assign 
titles to certain engineers. That's why oftentimes you may see, you know, people with a senior software engineer title that you may not agree actively <laughs> acts at like a senior engineer. Yeah. You know, it's quite a common phenomenon. <laughs> I like that was one thing I actually wanted to bring up is that um if if you see a company and every single engineer is a senior engineer, then I don't think anybody is a senior engineer there. <laughs> yeah, it's title inflation. It's actually like something that's I've seen it a lot in like Indian contract <laughs> firms where they're all like principal architect Java engineers, and if everyone's a architect principal architect, I mean, what does that really mean at that point? Yeah, I mean that's debatable though, because Netflix follows the same thing. Everyone is a senior software engineer, but every but over there there are actually senior. Yeah, engineers. well, they don't actually hire like people with like yeah. less than like a certain number of experience, unless you're like extremely exceptional. Uh, maybe you've like coded your entire childhood or something. And yeah. Okay, so that's a good point because that's like if we ever need to get a point of reference that. You need to compare that to, I guess, outside of that company. Because what we were saying is that, like, within a company, if everybody has the same title, or if everybody does that, there is a possibility where they're actually all that qualified. Take Netflix. They're all super qualified to begin that senior software engineer because that's what they hired to begin with. But then the interesting point is taking that and comparing it to another company. Is their senior software engineer, like, a regular software engineer at another company? Or their senior software engineer, are they actually, like, a proper principal engineer level at a different company compared to a startup, for example. So, um, yeah, this inter versus intra-company levels comparison is something that is always going to, you know, make me make me try to understand why we need it to begin with. Um, but it's actually like a, a good, I guess, transition in terms of like, we talk about this ladder, but the thing is like, there's not just a single ladder, right? There's, I think, I don't know if it's completely true, but the two main ones, there might be more, is one of them, one of the path, one of these ladders called the individ individual contributor. And then another one is the manager route. So these are like the two bigger concepts that you would see in the Bay Area or for like Bay Area companies is uh, if you're part of the individual contributor is that you're very hands-on in terms of pushing out features and you're very hands-on with writing code, developing, um, you know, direct impact onto the uh, product side of the company. As opposed to if you look at the other path, which is the manager path, this is more the operation side. They're both super related into tech anyways, because both of them are hands-on, you know, dealing with the technologies. But then there's a, quite a, a distinction between those. So I think like from that point is, if we go back to the, all the examples that we listed kind of thing, how does it look like in the bigger companies in terms of like the different levels of, you know, being an individual individual contributor as opposed to a manager. Does everybody start at IC? Does everybody start at manager? Like, how does that go from what, what you've seen? Well, if you're just starting out your career, like straight out of college, I don't think many of the larger companies will offer you a managerial position, I, I think. I'm, I'm sure there have been cases, but it's probably like extremely, extremely rare. I think the most common path is, uh, uh, let's say you graduate with a CS degree um, you get a job at a startup or like a larger company um, and generally you're an individual you're an IC at that point in time and you're just kind of learning figuring out how the company works and trying to contribute mostly code I would say and then mm -hmm. your responsibilities might evolve over time like instead of just implementing stuff you may start to also spec out certain features and how to develop them. That's actually a good point in terms of like the the taxing on of responsibility so then like from so far what i'm understanding is that 
most people that are graduating from a program or getting into their first engineering job, most of the time you'll start as an individual contributor, an IC. Yeah. Just because, um, I mean, very exceptional if you're able to start directly as a manager of like an engineering team. Um, and then you're take, talking about the baby steps. The baby step is already always like contributing code. That's probably one of the baby steps as you go. Did, did you find kind of the same case, Andy, for like, you know, when we talk about like bigger companies, is that what most companies would like respect in the Bay Area, where most of the time when you start your career there, you always start as an IC? Yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, yeah, like I don't think I know of any scenarios where like a new grad coming out of college that has no other life experiences than college could be a manager. <laughs> the thing is like, I, it was just a stupid question to begin with. Because when you talk about like being a manager, obviously you got to have like some understanding as to what you're managing to begin with. Like... If I you, mean, you could always, if you're coming from a different company and potentially like you're, maybe you're a senior engineer there and then you dipped your toes into management a little bit, you could always transition into like a more, more strictly defined like managerial role at like a diff, different company. That That's definitely a path I've seen taken. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. So that's the clear distinction is that like, it's not how many years of, uh, experience you've had a, at a specific company that puts you on whichever path is basically your years of experience, your whole career of your um, software engineering life, basically. Just because when we talk about years of experience, we never really talk about how many years of experience you had at this specific company. We usually talk about how many years of experience you had in total. So um, the example that you just brought up that you start as an IC at a specific company and then the first job that you got at a new company is being a manager. That's very common, actually. People will be hiring other people to become managers at a different company. I will say that like a caveat is you probably needed to take on some kind of managerial responsibilities at your prior company to actually, I, I don't think there are many roles out there where you just go into a new company cold with no managerial skills. And then they say like, okay, you be a manager now. Um, I think that's, that's relatively rare from what I've seen. Yeah. Most of the time it's like, I see two manager within a single company and then maybe you want to develop that further at a different company. That's, uh, I, I like that, uh, just because when I was talking about the blur between a senior engineer and maybe like an engineer manager, they do overlap sometimes. Some of the roles and responsibilities do overlap. And some of the cases where I think the ideal would be like, you would be a senior engineer at one company, you'd be doing the exact same thing at another company, but then your title just becomes engineer manager just because you, during that transition, you managed to get a different title. But the thing is the task that they were doing as a senior software engineer at company A, they were doing some, you know, hiring as well. They're doing some operation stuff where they're trying to figure out, like, what's the best way to prioritize resources. The task would be similar at both cases, but it's just the title got different. So it's really interesting how we got this transition uh, going on between one to the other. Another point that was just brought up recently is, uh, well, I mean, just now is that you're mentioning IC2. So there's these numbers that get added to, you know, the term of being an individual contributor. Can you just give us a bigger picture onto like how the system works of like, does every company have IC1, IC2, do they use a different terminology? Like what's the correlation between a younger level and a higher level? I think, I think at larger companies, oftentimes these ladders are a lot more formalized and defined. They'll have like very strict, okay, um, uh, you know, like at Facebook, it's, I think you start at E3, E4, E5, E5, I think a senior, like a equivalent to like a senior engineer title. And then at that point you might, you may have the option to transfer over to the management track, which is like M1. Uh, or you could continue to be like an IC 
and then you could continue down like the E6, E7, uh, E7 route. So there's kind of like a branch off from that ladder. But at a lot of smaller companies, oftentimes these these titles and these bands are a lot a uh, lot less formalized. I think it's more just of like it, it might just be more of a title on your on on kind of on your offer letter, and uh, it might affect your compensation. But it's uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's not as strictly defined. Yeah, a lot, a lot of the times. Because the things like I love, I love this bit where um, we've all had the chance to see how some startup teams work or some startup organizations work as well. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's a good amount of startups out there that don't even have a ladder to begin with, that are just going on based on the fact that they're going to hire being a junior engineer or a senior engineer, and then as the company grows, that's when they start trying to figure this out. This is like a nice to have for smaller companies, if you think about it. And um, I mean, they obviously put importance on progressing as a engineer, but a lot of times if you're a younger company trying to survive, you just want stuff done, right? So having this system imposed is definitely more mature and more granular at the big companies that we, we started naming. But um, I think from experience, from what I've seen is that a lot of startups wouldn't be surprised if we just don't have one. They, <laughs> they just go by titles and how it goes. Um, the other thing that was uh, really interesting is that at, did you say Facebook, when there's doing like E3, E4, E5, um, I don't think that's the standard for all the big companies out there. And is, or do you have any other examples of like different companies that use like a different system or even like a different naming convention? Yeah, I mean, I think they all generally use just like a number system, but like, well, like Google, I think they use L's and like same with uh, Microsoft as well. But then overall, it's, it's, it's still the same. It's just a number that's like pegged to responsibility and like pay scale. Hmm. It's also funny how nobody ever decided to standardize this. As in like nobody decided that, look, this, this, this L4 over here is not equivalent to a W4-6 there. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, I would say even across like a single large organization, it's probably hard to standardize like responsibilities and actual like aptitude for each of the bands. Right? Oh, dude, you'd have the cafeteria. People would be like, dude, I'm not an E4. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an E62, E40. <laughs> Shout out to E40. That was a that was a joke. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's it's from my point of view is I wanna I wanna see how we could also gap between smaller companies what they're trying to achieve, right? So you're a smaller company and you're looking at a bigger company. Have you ever thought of what the approach would be in terms of like should we just like go online, Google what exactly is their engineering ladder and just rip it off and use that, or should they like try to build their own just because they know their own staff better than you know anybody else because it's their own company um what kind of approach would you think like smaller companies would be would be doing that from a point of view of somebody who has been part of you know startups that are trying to figure this out i think this i think a lot of a lot of startups do actually have like differentiating titles right like you may be hired as a software engineer and senior software engineer and maybe that's like the only only two different levels at least on the ic path um but i think what's more important if you're a younger if you're a younger startup is actually to define what it takes to get to the next level mm -hmm. so if there is a next level like if uh you should define the responsibilities of what that person should be able or what that person should be able to do to get to the next level i think that's actually very important otherwise i think it can be kind of demoralizing for certain engineers if they 
they're just kind of working. They're working really hard, but they're not really sure why they haven't been given a raise or given like a like a title promotion. I think it's good to always make sure like that the engineer knows like what the next step is if they do want to take that next step. I think that's the most important thing. Whether you use L's or E's, that doesn't really matter. Um, but hey, speak the, for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like for defining your levels, that's that's honestly just a name. Um, but defining that ladder properly, I think, is very important. That that's a really strong point. Uh, the emphasis is not on the fact that everybody will take it. The emphasis is the planning and the the optimism and the future planning of having that path available for anybody who wants to keep on progressing it at a company. That's usually how uh, the growth process happens, right? Just knowing that you have somewhere to jump across and be better at what you do. But also, if you're able to apply that to not just one single person, but across the company, that's just a general you know, prog progress for the, the whole organization at the end. So I really do like the emphasis on having the plan set up to keep on you know, pushing that. And I think we, we mentioned a lot about like the correlation between titles and compensation. So the other thing, actually, before I want to talk about compensation is that we have the two paths that we just mentioned real, uh, like quite standardly agreed upon is the IC path, individual contributor, and then the manager path. If we throw in, in the mix the compensation in there, is it always true that a manager gets paid more than a software engineer or the other way around or, you know, What's what's the conception here? What's the reality that maybe some people will not actually know if they haven't really seen it from the Bay Area? Managers will typically make the same as an IC, like even at all the big fan companies. Like when when you do that lateral move from like what is it E five to M one? Yeah, like the pay is exactly the same, and an M two is the same as an E six, and then etc. Yeah, I think people do try to keep it very consistent to not dissuade you. I'm sure you guys have heard of like the Peter principle where people just get promoted like <laughs> to a position where like they they're just incompetent in. I think like this uh I think like by keeping the bands uh compensation similar across like similar levels of experience uh whether you're in on the management route or the IC route is important so you can actually still keep like your IC, like your very competent ICs around because the best ICs are going to be the people that actually really really want to do that stuff not the ones that you know sometimes they get forced into management and that's not really where their passion is so keeping the compensation around the same is important there it's actually really interesting how for me, this concept of having a manager getting paid as much as an individual contributor, it's such a fascinating phenomena in the engineering world specifically, because the comparison that you would have in other roles or other companies or even other jobs is that when you have this prestigious name of being a manager at some company, it's very, very looked up upon, right? Uh, I mean, to, to be fair, it is even in the engineering setting. But uh, when you're talking about having individual contributors getting paid more slash a lot more than a you know engineering manager at a company it's not uncommon at all to see that when we talk about the bay area or even just tech companies in general so that's something that i always found fascinating and um this is kind of reassuring because there are different types of engineers the, only, the reason why we've got two different paths is that some people really want to stay focused on building stuff and you know mastering uh, more technologies and more architecture designs and all that and which is why there is a possibility of going from E5, this is the example of Facebook app we've been using, is that instead of going to a manager role, you keep on pushing E6, E7, E8, and you're still able to hone your craft and like 
the conversation increases independently of if you have chosen the manager route, right? So um, if the direct example is if you have somebody who's an E whatever, six or E seven, they might get paid more than a manager who's like an M1, for example. So when we talk about these uh, granular categorization of different levels onto it, I think it's something that a lot of people in tech talk about for their software engineering ladders. Um, but yeah, so far, like, it's been really cool in terms of how we're, we're describing these two paths, but we could definitely dive into what um, has affected us a lot. So for me, at the moment, I'm very ingrained in the uh, IC path. So I've been an individual contributor for the past couple of years now. Um, we could kind of break down what is the, I guess, the bigger category in it. We talk about numbers, E4, E5, but if we look at it at a slightly higher level, the way I would see it is that at the very beginning of the IC path is the student slash interns level, right? This is, uh, it could be part-time, full-time. But I think the agreement is that when we're talking about these ladders is mostly for people part of a company who are there full-time. Uh, we could talk about contractors and slightly different cases, you know, later, but everything that we've been seeing for, so far has been people that have been, you know, d you know doing their, their full-time job like Monday to Friday at tech companies. So from my experience, it's always been uh, full-time at a tech company. Uh, I've been part of the IC path. Uh, but the one thing is that at the beginning, being a student slash intern, I never actually got to that phase. Um, I think I went through the phase of, you know, junior engineer, software engineer, and then just kept on going that. But for uh, for the bigger picture of people that are actually like trying to figure out what, what stage they're on, brief description is that in the IC path, you're going to start as a student slash intern, and then you're going to come in as a junior software engineer, and then you're going to go into software engineer. The next step after that, senior software engineer. And then what's a little bit more blurry past, past this point, sorry, is you have titles like staff engineer, principal engineer, uh, lead architects. Um, I'm going to kind of put that in the same category just so that it's easier to understand, but they do have slightly different roles. So if we just go from straight to the top, students slash interns, um, I guess, how how do you define the responsibility? What does a internship engineer coming at a company, what do they do? What's the definition of one? I believe uh, if you're a software engineering intern, many of your responsibilities are actually, I would say, very similar to like a junior engineer's. I would say the main distinctive factor would be that your role is not, um, you're not, you're not an employee. I don't think. I think that's the main. Uh, like generally, you're only uh, hired to work for you know, three months, six months, however long that contract is. Mm -hmm. um, but in terms of their contributions, I think they're very similar to like a junior engineer's. Just trying to learn the ropes of how the company works or operates uh, within the engineering organization and hopefully contributing some amount of, you know, productive code. Yeah. <laughs> like emphasis on, on the productive. <laughs> yeah, I would say most of the time... Uh, like interns and junior engineers are more of a resource sink, which is fine. They're more, it's more of an investment in the future. Maybe they, over time, they will become more productive and they, then they will be more of a net positive on the organization. Yeah, it's, it's very fair to say that they're going to be the prospects because a lot of the uh, internships, if it turns out really well, they do have a continuation uh, at certain roles or companies uh, if ever, you know, everybody's having that case. So is that kind of how, the same way you would describe the responsibilities of a intern uh, when they, they join a tech company, Andy? 
Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, the contributions are fairly low, but I don't think it's uh, as much of a resource sink. I mean, it, it, it uh, might be like um, while they're actually in the role instead of the immediate like engineering team, but I think they're usually, like internships usually exist as part of university recruiting now. Like it's, it's kind of a way for the company to kind of pick um, their, I guess, future employees out of students. And like if if if, it, if they're able to perform exceptionally well, then um, yeah, like hiring is just much easier for them because they've already built that like three month connection. The person's already familiar with the platform or like the uh, the code base. And I really do think that's an advantage at the yeah. end of the day. Uh, if you're able to be doing a tech engineering or a oh, sorry a tech internship, uh, that definitely gives you uh, an advantage when you try to apply to these role. Um, I've definitely have been seeing it from the other side of the coin because I haven't done any uh, internship in engineering. Uh, which I guess this phase is kind of optional for, for a lot of people because you're never guaranteed to have an internship before you start your full-blown uh, engineering career. Um, I've heard about this. I don't know if it's fully true, but do people break down on different levels of internship? As in, like, if this is your first year being an internship or, like, your second year or third year internship, do they actually have a similar ladder system for that, for that kind of... Not that I've heard of. I think like if I was a company and I knew someone was coming back for like a second summer, I, at that point, you probably have a bit more trust in them. You understand their, their capabilities a bit more. You might put them on a more advanced projects, Mm -hmm. but I would, I I don't think maybe you, you could also compensate them more as well, but I don't know if there's like a formalized like title change, like senior intern. (laughs) 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 It'd be somewhat silly to me. Hey, that's maybe one more thing they can negotiate about, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if they really want to attach senior to intern. <laughs> senior internship too, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's actually really fun. Um, yeah, so, I mean, shout out to all the people who are really striving to get an internship. Uh, I could definitely say that it definitely makes it better. But I think the core uh, beginning, the one that a lot of people will end up doing if they're going into the IC path, well, I mean, most people end up doing that uh, when they start engineering. The first phase is usually being a junior engineer. Um, one of the things that I I don't know if it's actually still a thing either is that do companies even have the title junior engineer or junior software engineer to begin with, uh, you know, when when they hire people? Because like when you look at job boards, when it says junior engineer, do do people still find that attractive? Do people not find that attractive anymore? What what do you think about that? Um, I definitely still see it in job postings. Um, I don't know, like. Um... I probably uh, didn't, I don't think I applied to any positions that specifically said junior software engineer when I was looking for a job. Because I feel like it's kind of like a, uh, I guess like a hard cap on mm-hmm. like responsibilities and like, I guess, uh, what you determine your skill to be and like compensation as well. Yeah, you already got like a premonition idea of what's going on. Yeah, I, I haven't seen too many posts that advertise junior engineer and I, I, I understand like why they do that it's it if you're applying for like a position like that says like junior software engineer you might not get as confident applicants i think like there are plenty of like competent applicants out there and it might be like kind of a mental leap to to admit to yourself that you're still you know earlier on in your career and uh, it's probably just easier to say like software engineer um again this might be more of like a like a recruiting tactic than really anything like by not formalizing that but i mean if you go into a company and you just came out of college i think most people will at least categorize you uh, at least for the immediate 
in the immediate term um, as like somewhat of a junior engineer unless you uh, show capabilities otherwise. Yeah, that that's very justifiable. Uh, just because it's I mean when you when you display like we're only specifically hiring junior engineers, then there's a lot of con much more context put into it. Uh, when when you have this massive pool of applicants going into it. Um, the thing the thing that we could actually make a quick comparison is what are the responsibilities of a junior engineer uh, in general, but also as compared to an intern, I guess, just because like they're they're more close to each other. Um, from the way I see it is, I remember like, I'm pretty sure we all started off as a junior engineer at some point, uh, just because we never had any of that full-blown professional experience that, that makes you not a junior engineer. I think from how I see it is that uh, the responsibility of an intern versus a junior engineer is purely based on the fact of how long they're going to be there. Uh, when you have an engineer, they've basically committed a lot more to be part of the company as opposed to an internship, because uh, being an intern, you might just not come back for another internship or not be back for a full-time role at that. So when you're seeing uh, more important projects and more um, projects that last longer, so sometimes the project could be short and could be done within you know a quarter or half a year kind of thing, those cases you wouldn't have that many interns involved it's not fully true but i think that's probably the logical thinking but for a junior engineer um when you come into it you will get a lot more chance to be exposed to these longer projects and have impact into it even though you're not going to be directly hands-on of like designing how the apis work in between i think as a junior engineer you are definitely more exposed to uh more tasks that has longer lasting effects to the company are there any kind of like, you know, task or responsibilities that you, you could categorize with being a junior engineer at a company, Stan? Uh, yeah, I, it's, it's, I think even if you have like experience going into a role, like let's say you have like three to five years of experience, like when you initially join, there's still a bit of a learning curve. I, I think like they're very there's a lot similar you know how like there's like a statistic oh oftentimes it takes like three to six months for like an engineer to become productive at a company um i think i think uh i mean like 12 a... months in my case but <laughs> kidding <laughs> so you finally finished up <laughs> <laughs> um i think uh with with like junior engineers a lot of their a lot of the the first few months is kind of just becoming uh becoming comfortable with like the dev remark dev environment and uh, getting used to kind of the en general engineering practices. I would say the distinction between maybe like a junior and like a more software engineer, like a regular level software engineer would be defining, being able to define specs as opposed to just implementing specs. Mm -hmm. I think you, you're given more of a responsibility around like how things should be defined. So those are pretty good behavior that you've put for, um, you know, non-junior engineers at the end of the day. If we keep on going on the bit where it's like, how do you even spot like behaviors that a junior engineer does? Like, what what would you think about that, Andy? They're probably more prone to uh, to making mistakes. Like, um, their code quality might not be the best, but that's simply because like um, it's it's not necessarily like a lack of skill, just a, a lack of um, experience. Um, their task will usually be much smaller in scope. I think uh, a junior software engineer is probably the only real individual contributor out of all the other individual contributors. Yeah, in terms of like a sheer amount of code that they'll actually write, uh, well, proportion-wise to everything else that they're doing, the writing code bit is like probably the, the uh, more focused task as a junior engineer. Mm -hmm. Just because we keep on talking about the other comparison is that 
as a as a software engineer, as you progress, as you grow, since we've been talking about this whole time, we don't just write code like twenty four seven all day, right? There's different responsibilities, so um, kind of like that. Sam, would you would you be able to point out other like tiny things that lets you spot a junior engineer within like an organization? Yeah, I think like one mental distinction I make between someone that's junior and someone that might be like a mid level engineer is how often they need to ask help to implement something that's functional. I think like a mid-level engineer is capable of implementing, of finding a solution to most things. A junior engineer, maybe not so. Mm -hmm. And if I take it one step further, like a senior engineer is someone that can find the correct solution, not just a solution, but the correct, like a pretty correct one um, yeah. across. I like how you just simplified, like it's a very direct way of considering it because anybody who's look back at what they're doing every day is that you could easily tell yourself is, have I been just finding the first solution that works or have I actually taken the time to consider multiple mm -hmm. uh, solutions that may work and then finding the best fit for the current feature or the current stance that it is. And that's directly related to seniority or like levels of experience of mm -hmm. being a software engineer. So yeah, really glad you brought that up. If we talk about just like a time factor kind of thing, like how long do people usually stay in that junior engineer phase? Like, I know there's not a fixed amount, but we could definitely put a ballpark, a range of how long somebody usually being in that junior engineer phase. I think it's typically like what, two or three years, maybe even just one. Yeah, it, it varies quite a bit based off of your actual aptitude. Um, from what I've seen, I consider some a lot of engineers, usually they kind of get out of that phase within one if they're relatively, uh, if they're really good at picking stuff up, maybe three on the long end. Um, and, you know, some people never get out of that, <laughs> depending on their organization and what they, what kind of experiences they've gathered. Maybe they're always writing together, like, hacky stuff, and they never really progress past that. Yeah. If you weren't going to say that, there's some people that never get out of junior engineers. I, w I was going to say it, like, there are maybe some tendencies that uh, you will have some junior engineer behavior that you end up doing for a lot of your career. And it's just like, at some point, either somebody has to point it out or it's weird that or bad that somebody else has not pointed out already. So um, that's something that I could probably agree on. And um, just as a fun fact, actually, uh, I remember there was a job, like, one of my few earlier jobs that I started, I was actually, my official title was a junior software engineer when I got in. But like a week later, they were like, it's pointless to have that title. So they basically just scrapped the whole title and I became a regular engineer officially on a title like a week after I started that job. Mm -hmm. But as you were seeing like the the time, the, the, the length of time where you consider yourself, if you look at yourself and consider yourself, how long have I been a junior engineer for? My answer to myself, I've been working for five plus years as a software engineer now. I could easily say it's it was either one year or for me, I, I could still say I'm still a junior engineer today just because I could still spot the tendencies that, or like some of the bad habits that I, I will do sometimes. But then again, it's like a kind of ex existential question because if you realize this, then does that mean that you're not a junior engineer anymore? Just the fact that you realize that you're making mistakes and that you've been you know actively trying to correct them and make it better and not do them in the future. So that's why it's hard, always hard to put like a fixed number but i think i do agree with what you guys were saying that junior engineers probably a year is a good indicator two years and then if anything longer than that uh i think there there should be some help or some other factor to you know help them move above the space which i guess logically speaking is the 
regular software engineer. Um, this is like the next level. We've already talked about some of the distinctions uh, from a regular software engineer as opposed to a junior engineer. The main one that we've been saying is just being less reliant on help. So that was a really good point where software engineers are slightly uh, confident level in terms of experience, being able to you know develop their own feature, uh, still contributing code at the end of the day. But are there any other like major distinction between a regular software engineer and a junior software engineer? Compensation is probably a big one. That's a very fair point. Are, are we expecting like if you're a junior engineer? Because the thing is like when we were saying, how does one realize that they're not a junior engineer anymore? At what point would you want to bring this up? Do you want to bring up the fact that if you have the title of junior software engineer and then you have a formal discussion be like, I don't want that title anymore. I want to be a software engineer. Is that the time to bring up this conversation? Or should you even having before your title change from junior software engineer, should you as a software junior software engineer, sorry, bring up this conversation of conversation, knowing that you've done what, at least a year now of software engineering? I think it depends on the organization and their rules. Some some organizations will not allow any kind of uh, compensation increase without additional responsibilities, and usually additional responsibilities and additional responsibilities may be tied directly to what level you actually are mm -hmm. uh, within their within their leveling system. From the previous example, actually, of all the I guess bigger, more common uh, ladders that we've seen. How many out of the like the initial phases were junior engineer levels? Like when you're saying uh, you start at E3 at Facebook, is E4 also considered junior engineer or is it specifically only E3 junior and then like you just get evolved past that at E4? Yeah, it's typically only the first level. I can't imagine why you would need multiple levels of junior. Like would you be a senior junior engineer? I think uh, Microsoft has like certain ones like um, Microsoft has like 59 or 60 or something. <laughs> 59 or 60 would be like the junior and then like, you know, maybe senior junior. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they have much more granular levels as opposed to Amazon, Google, Facebook. So okay. it might be a little... Right, right when you started saying like 50 or 60, I was like, they got 50 different grades of like level of engineers. That, that's a little bit intense, but that's obviously not, not what you were saying at the end of the day. So... Um, but yeah, I, I like the fact that you brought up uh, the jump in salary usually when you go from junior engineer to a regular software engineer. Um, I think it's kind of given that when you go from one level to the other, you can ask slash expect a higher compensation for it. Um, but then that's where the disappointment sometimes comes because then the hard task is specifying how does your role and task correlate to a monetary value, if you know what I mean. Because we, we keep on adding more roles as you become an engineer, it doesn't, it's not because you have one more role that, uh, one more responsibility that you, you get like a plus 2K in your salary or something like that, right? It's hard to put a number to it. But what we can uh, describe is if you want to go to the next phase of going from a regular software engineer to a senior software engineer, because I think that's probably a much bigger gap between that, that being a junior engineer and like a regular engineer, what, what will propel you to become a senior engineer? Like, from all the senior engineers that you've you got you guys have worked with, sorry, what was kind of some patterns that you've like noticed from from the work? I think uh, senior engineers generally, for people that I consider senior engineers, like in actual in terms of their responsibilities and not just in terms of title, 
uh, oftentimes these engineers, they're technically very capable. Um, they, they're good at finding the right solution as opposed to a solution. Another major responsibility I've seen some senior engineers take up, or a good number of them, is actually mentoring and teaching, teaching uh, their peers what the proper way to do certain things are. Um, I think those are the two main things that I that come to mind. Yeah, that's basically the same thing I see too. too. They take like a much more, um, I guess, external presence. Um, they're no longer just like an 100% individual con contributor. They, uh, they'll like help other people out. Uh, they'll think more than like just the uh, task at hand. They also try to do more high impact works. Uh, like I think a senior engineer is very conscious of their time. There's only so many hours per day that you have and you wanna make sure that you're utilizing your time properly. You want to make sure you're unblocking other people, that you're, maybe you want to invest your time in building frameworks that will help your peers uh, do their work uh, better or more efficiently. Um, I think they're just very conscious about their a senior engineer is very conscious about what their role is and their impact on an organization. Yeah, I, I can even like extend what what you what you just said right now is that they're they're helping with not only the code writing because that's when we're seeing like uh, the code writing is obviously writing directly, but it's how people write code, how they contribute to the code base in a much more efficient way. When you're talking about building these infrastructures, these uh, for example, like a test infrastructure that is much more easier for the develop developers to use. Sorry. That's usually a responsibility a more senior engineer would do just to make the process of pushing out more code more easily. And that's not something that it's easy to think about. Those are usually problems that needs more consideration in terms of like performance, uh, how reliable that is, how scalable that is. So all these words, you would usually associate that with somebody who is more senior because they think about those kind of future proof case. They think about the solution that they're going to put out there that is not going to break within you know the next two months or something. They're really future-proving themselves so that the next person contributing to the code don't have to shoot themselves in the foot every time they touch it, which is also something that you would not always think about if you're a junior engineer. Um, if you're slightly younger, even just a regular engineer, and you kind of overlook these factors of, oh yeah, I'm just going to write these code, it's going to work for now, but then there's no guarantee that it's going to work in the future. Those are kind of indicators of the difference between a senior engineer and... Yeah, a bit more short-sightedness, I'd say. Because you're struggling just to implement something that works. And if that's the case, a lot of your mental capacity is just focused on that as opposed to thinking about things in yeah. a broader sense. The, the term I like to use is a tunnel vision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I've always been guilty of it, but I think as you become better or as you you know keep on working is recognizing that when you do it and you should I, I'm very hard on myself whenever I do kind of stuff but I really do think that I put myself like responsible whenever that kind of stuff happens and you know even if you're more extreme just keep a log of it <laughs> keep a tab of every time you've done something like that and then that will give you a quick you know look back of how much progression you could put into it um yeah the other words that we kind of threw out there is that we're talking about mentoring and like even delegating tasks or even just like being more involved in the hiring process. Are those like responsibilities that senior engineer do or do you expect that to be done like at a higher level? I think senior engineers gen oftentimes they can pick up hiring, uh, hire, they can be more active in the hiring process. I know there are certain engineers that don't really want to do that so they can 
they opt out of it. Um, but yeah, hiring, helping to hire engineers and being part of the interview panel is also potentially one of the responsibilities. And you know, their word might have a bit more weight than if a junior engineer was also part of that hiring panel. Right, just because uh, from the fact that they've not only have the expertise of the engineering wise, but they also have the expertise of being at the company uh, and seeing how the process and being contributing the process of writing better code and all that kind of stuff, that does justify why the responsibility would be participating in hiring and everything. Um, in terms of like system designs, is that also some other responsibility that you would, ex you would expect, sorry, every senior engineer to have, Andy? Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, their technical knowledge should be uh, well um, past just coding. And that totally relates to the fact that uh, we were saying how we're looking at a higher level, like system designs, how the different products, not the products, sorry, the projects at a company, how they tie to each other, how the APIs call each other, and how the infrastructure or the architecture actually behind the, the tech system of that company. That's where you get this sen more senior approach to it. So. This is actually quite cool because we're kind of borderlining on the space after that. We keep on saying like senior software engineer. I don't even know what is the standard next level to it because different companies do it different ways. Some people will go from remaining in the same IC path that we're talking right now is that you go from being a senior software engineer to a staff engineer. But then another company would go from a senior engineer to a staff before getting to a principal engineer. Or you would have another company who goes from senior engineer directly to principal engineer. So we're throwing a lot of these words, uh, staff engineer, principal engineer, uh, architect, which is a very like, you know, respected word for a job title in engineering. This category, like how do we describe it? What's the, I guess, general description when somebody mentions that kind of title to use then? Um, I think oftentimes when I, at least I haven't dealt with too many people with the title of staff engineer, but the ones that I have, generally they've, they've detached, the higher you go in the IC route, oftentimes you actually are still writing less code. I think you're, you're, you're evaluating potentially uh, engineering, like engineering practices and making sure that the company is going down the right path in terms of choosing the proper tech stack to, uh, to make sure that you guys aren't digging yourselves in a hole that things are, can scale in the future. Um, but a lot of the responsibilities are actually very similar to what we listed in terms of what a senior engineer should be doing. They, certain responsibilities might be weighted differently, like you might be more involved in terms of like meetings and discussing, discussing uh, how to implement stuff as opposed to writing code yourself. But I think the higher you go, the more, the more conscious you, you just need to be of your time and how to actually positively affect and influence the organization that you're working for. Nice. And when you're saying like having an impact on the organization level, as opposed to just having directly uh, contribution to one specific package that your company is writing, that is kind of like the, I guess, distinction between the two, the two ends at that point. And I think the other thing to point out from my point of view is that when you get to that level of like staff, principal, architect, or whatever you want to call it is... It's kind of inversely proportional to the amount of code you end up writing. I, I feel like that's how I would describe when you get to that kind of stage. But I guess Andy, what what would be your point of view on being a staff slash principal slash architect engineer? Yeah, I mean it's 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 basically what uh, Stan had said. Um, 
but like the higher up you go, the less actual individual contributing you're actually doing. You're you're doing like more external tasks, like like uh, looking over the uh, the architecture, um, kind of like double checking other people's work. That that being said, I I do think there are ICs out there at a very high level that probably do contribute like very critical pieces of code to like code base if it's like very technically complex and maybe they're like one of the only people that's actually capable of writing that type of code like <laughs> effectively bus factor um yeah i just think generally from what i've seen in most organizations it, there does seem to be like a correlation between like the higher you go even on the ic route the the less code you actually write but you're still influencing the organization in other you know effective ways yeah and we could also just say that uh, even when we're seeing less code contribution, you're still contributing a lot more code than if you went into the manager path, for example. Like you're still in the in the phase where you're much more tightly coupled with how the system is designed and how the architecture is currently standing and how it's gonna look like with the next implementation of the feature that Yeah, your primary responsibility is still around like the technical stack. Like you are managing code, not people. Like... Right. And it's so good to make this distinction because this so far, we've described this one path, which is the IC path, the individual contribu uh, contributor, sorry. If we take the distinction of what Stan just said is the other path is instead of managing the code and the technical side to it, another path that you could end up taking after becoming uh, post-junior engineer, post-software engineer, one of the paths that you can become is a engineer manager. Um, the, the way this kind of happens is that the responsibilities of a manager will be definitely not as close knit to the code base and how a product specifically works, but it's more related to the operations behind it. And uh, we've mentioned this before is that you, uh, you should have some kind of qualifications previously much more before going into the manager path than going into the IC path. So, which is why it kind of branches out this way. Um, I'd obviously love to talk about a little bit of, um, if you do end up deciding going through this manager path, like, what kind of expectations we would have and what kind of different roles are in this manager route that people can take. So assuming that you're already at a certain comfortable level of a software engineer slash senior software engineer and you want to decide to go into the manager, what I've seen and what I've been uh, done a couple of research to look at is that you could have the first step, which is transitioning to becoming an engineering manager. Sorry, that'll be the title. And then after that, you'll have the senior engineering manager and then when it gets a little bit more blurred is then what's after that? You have these other titles called Director of Engineering, VP of Engineering, um, Senior VP of Engineering, if ever those organi organizations are allowed to. I want to know what's different. So if we start with just Engineering Manager, like what, what is an Engineering Manager? What do they do? What's the response to it? What's the definition of it? They're usually a, uh, a people manager. So they'll have like um, other engineers as direct reports. Um, their responsibility, I think, is definitely not to contribute individually anymore. Like, uh, there may be like either no coding or like a lot less coding. But then it's kind of their job to take responsibility for like the output of the team and to kind of foster like, I guess, cross team collaboration as well. Yeah, very good point. Just because uh, we haven't really fully dive into the bigger picture of when we say being part of a company is most likely you'll be part of a team within a company. And there's like so many different teams at different companies. Uh, well, within a company, there's so many different teams. So you're seeing that the engineering manager kind of has a 
higher level overview of instead of being looking at a single team, they will be able to look at different uh, core, you know, like synthesize. That's not the word I'm looking for. Synchronization of different teams. So um, that's probably a really good point that you you know you brought up there. Is there any other responsibility that you could think an engineering manager would take then? Um, I think Andy mentioned a lot of it. Like one thing that I think about with an engineering manager is like how do how do they get like the most output out of their team? Basically, they're supposed to be kind of like a people multiplier. If you could get your engineers more productive, um, which could be maybe you make them happier or something, or you could do like. I don't know, effective team building exercises or something. <laughs> yeah. uh, basically, you're just supposed to be like an output multiplier for the engineers that you manage. And how you do that, there are various strategies around that. I, I do think engineering managers also hold, um, they, they're one of the main people that influence hiring for that team. Mm-hmm. I think. I believe in some organizations they might differentiate between like a hiring manager and an engineering manager, but at a lot in a lot of organizations, the engineering managers still have a pretty strong hand in terms of what kind of engineers are they looking for to join their team uh, to contribute to their part of the product that they own within the org. Nice. So that kind of transitions to one of the responsibilities that growing the team, but growing the team in a way that they're confident that it will be rather seamless but the output at the end of the day is much more you know bigger more exponential is not always the easiest job at the end of the day right like there's not a formula that 100 percent guarantees that the next person you hire or the tactic that you're taking to hire the next you know addition to your engineering teams is going to work so that's why i think this mindset is definitely more prominent when you're gonna go through this path is uh, a lot of the operation size we've thrown out this word like six million times not to say that ICs don't do operations work but uh, if we're able to delegate these tasks to engineering managers that focus on the well-being but also even the people being responsible of you know defining these engineering ladders I feel like that's a lot more responsibility for the manager path yeah, engineering managers, oftentimes they should have like a hand. If you don't already have an organizational structure, engineering managers are probably, they're the ones that tell their reporting engineers, this is what you need to do to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And I think one thing that I also forgot that's probably one of the crappier parts of being an engineering manager is usually they have a pretty strong hand in terms of telling engineers which engineers are need to be let go. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> because that actually affects like team productivity. Their, I think, primary objective is how do I get the most output out of this team? And if there's someone weighing down the team, they might also have to be the one who has to like pull the trigger. And that's the thing. And I could definitely see that being a point of contentious as friction whenever that kind of stuff happens. Because the, if you look at it from a higher point of view, is that uh, they are involved in the engineering teams, but in terms of being day-to-day tasks, touching the code and code reviews, that there's a slight disconnect, right, between the engineer manager and then the actual engineers contributing to the code. So, yeah, when you're saying it's slightly scary that they have the word, uh, they have the power to say these kind of stuff. Obviously, they don't do it blindly. They don't just roll a dice and decide that kind of stuff happens. I hope not. Um, but I think another point that we could bring up in responsibility of engineer manager is getting feedback and getting, you know, reviews or even just assessing how people are working together or how one individual is working among a team. So that's something that I think I've, I really like prioritizing and really like to see um, 
just from being somebody part of the team is just having these feedback and opinion on how one could be better. When we're talking about mentoring, it's not only just mentoring of writing better code, but it's also mentoring on how to work um, as a better engineer just because you're part of the team and what you do affects other people around you at the end of the day. So throwing these realization bombs is probably something that I would describe a responsibility of these engineering manager at the end of the day. Um, one of the questions that uh, actually is, uh, I feel like there's both sides to it is, since we're talking about this distancing between uh, engineering manager to the actual contribution of writing code and everything, do all software engineering managers require to have like a technical background, like a degree in some kind of CS? Do they have to at least have done five years of software engineering before getting to that route? Or are you on the other side of the coin where it's like, no, you just see somebody who's a very good people person that specifically understands tech people? Yeah, I think it's definitely possible. It depends on like what level of leadership. Probably like lower engineering managers who have like engineer direct reports. I think it makes more sense that they have like actual engineering experience. But if you go all the way up, like there are for sure non-technical CTOs and like VP of, VPs of engineering, and it's just because they have like the organizational knowledge from like some other industry or like from elsewhere. Yeah, that's a really good <laughs> approach because. From what I've seen is I, I'd like to believe that most engineering managers out there are very technically sound. They're, they're people that have contributed to code and which is why they have walked the same mile, the same path as, you know, an uh, individual contrib contributor at the end of the day. Is that something that uh, from our previous questions and that you agree on that uh, people going through the engineering manager should have a technical background or it's okay if they just don't have one? I think it depends a lot on the culture of the team of like who you're managing. Like I know there are definitely engineers that prefer uh, a more technically savvy engineering manager, and like they will only respect that manager if they're tech if they feel like they're technically proficient. But I also know there are plenty of engineers out there that really don't care too much about how technical their engineering manager is if they're just good at you know handling the rest of the stuff that we we were talking about hiring you know making sure everyone's happy making sure the team is operating like at as effectively as possible um but yeah if you don't respect your engineer maybe that could make it hard to get the team all on the same page and to actually operate effectively so i think they're it's it's very case-by-case -case basis whether you're looking for a technical engineering manager or someone that maybe doesn't have that much technical experience. Yeah, and I can imagine that job would be insane, that task of keeping everybody happy and making it seamless as well, making it look like you're not intruding their life, of their day-to-day -day life, of doing their job and everything. Um, I think when we're talking about dealing with operations, that's mainly what's gonna happen. Uh, the best comparison is that, you know, if you're an individual, con sorry, individual contributor, I'll just start seeing IC. After however long I'll start seeing IC just because I can't say the word properly. Um, you want to do the same thing. If you're a senior IC, somebody who's on the later level, is you want to have this seamless experience for younger ICs to go into it and then not notice all the infrastructure work that you've helped contribute so that when they go through this whole process of engineering ladder, they could improve much quicker and then they're much more effective at you know being a better engineer but also being a better person at the end. And um, we've already actually mentioned this. Thank you, uh, thank you, Andy, for talking about director of engineering, VP of engineering. And then even above that, we've got the CTO. So these are definitely like part of the manager path. This is after you've proved yourself very kind of like confidently engineering manager and then senior engineering manager. These are the kind of the options that you kind of get to go at some point. It's not guaranteed you're going to get that. 
I'm gonna categorize all of them together, but I guess what what would you describe a director of engineering or a VP of engineering to be? I mean, that is probably the grayest area that we've <laughs> come across with all these roles. I think uh, like the higher you go, it's generally you're managing the people, the person that you were one level below. So if you were like an engineering manager and now you're a director of engineering, I think generally directors of engineering uh, make sure that all the managers are on the same page. Um, so it's kind of just like some pyramid type hierarchy, pyramid scheme. <laughs> <laughs> he was kidding. It's not a pyramid scheme. <laughs> and but yeah, maybe, what... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, what, what would your definition of a director slash VP of engineering would be within an organization, Andy? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're, basically, they're basically the same as, like, I guess, a lower-level manager, except their scope is a little bit bigger, since, like, now they're a manager of managers. Nice. So it's kind of like a formality at the end, right? Or, like, just having somebody there to make sure that the, the gap between uh, the step above, which is, like, you know, chief-level, C-level, which people like to call, like, CTOs and everything, there's not too much disconnection between every single level as, as it goes before. So I kind of agree that we could kind of see directive engineering. There's a lot of granularity in terms of, like, extra stuff they do but i i will say that i have seen like once you've reached the level of vp of engineering and cto i think like oftentimes ctos could be founders and maybe they don't actually want to like manage people maybe that's not their forte so i've seen a lot of ctos that kind of also just focus more on like the ic type contributions same with like vp of engineering so i've seen some like awkward people that just don't want to talk to anyone and they it seems like they're more on the IC path, but I would say in general, those titles probably like lean a bit more towards managing people, at least in larger, larger organizations. I'm so glad you actually brought up uh, founders because we haven't mentioned that in any of these levels or these different categories that we've been talking about. So the two big ones, the ICs and the manager, these are two different routes, but we cannot deny the fact that uh, you know founders are part of a company, are part of a technical company, and if we talk specifically about how they get, you know, tied into this whole system, it's something I, I really want to dive into, actually. So um, I'd, I guess those would be the special cases. So I think being a founder at a company is a special case. Another special case that is not as, you know, uh, obvious is being a contractor as well. Because being a contractor, there are some companies that gives you a specific title or they, they could just be your software engineering contractor, whether you're a senior, whether you're lead architect. They'll just give you a you know software engineering title. So if we just start talking about um, the being a founder, what path do they go on? Are they automatically lobbed into the IC path? Are they automatically lobbed into the manager path? Are they both or neither? What what's kind of your take on being a technical founder at a at a company? I I've heard stories where of lots of varying varying uh, responsibilities as like a uh, founding like. A founder with like a CTO title. I've heard CTOs that could barely, you know, write some CSS. Like so, they were like very technically improficient. Um, I've also heard of founders that you know all they want to do is write code and they don't want to manage people. And then sometimes they they're allowed to do that, you know, for that entire duration of when they're at that company. And then there are also ones that actually evolve over time, right? So maybe in the beginning you're more of an IC, and then you kind of go through. And you're just trying to fill in whatever gaps the organization actually needs so they're a bit more flexible so you're writing code in the beginning and as you hire more and more engineers you realize you're 
your value isn't in writing code anymore, but maybe teaching other engineers, providing them context, and then maybe eventually managing those people in a more uh, engineering manager type way. And then eventually maybe there's more hierarchy and you start managing engineering managers, making sure they're all on the same page. Um, yeah, I think it varies quite a bit. That is such a good approach. I keep on seeing this, but things like the the fact that you open up this many possibility and flexibility is really aspiring because um, replace the word founder with just anybody in this case is that some people going into the career of software engineering kind of look can, can look at it that way. You don't know if you're going to be an IC, you don't know if you're going to be a manager. It depends on you if you want to prefer working with people or prefer working directly with the stack. So this is just coming back to the fact that being a founder is not a specific job title, even though it is like all the respect to being a founder, but it's more about describing your roles, which is the important stuff at the end. And um, I just want to give uh, an, an, an emphasis that being a founder is just being somebody at the beginning of a software engineering career. It's the exact same way where you're looking at it, that you could either go through one path, the IC path, the manager path, or even just doing both. Um, the flexibility that you mentioned right now is just really, really cool. Um, is that kind of how you see like that when you're in that role as a founder, Andy? Like, What do you think that uh, they'd be thinking when they go either choose a path or don't choose a path within the organization? Yeah, I mean, it's basically what uh, Stan said. You, you, you can definitely have founders that take like a kind of like a management or like a leadership role, like being like a C-level or I don't know, like a manager or something. And then you can have those that uh, are individual contributors. But I feel that founders should typically take a management role. Like like maybe in the beginning, they have to do a little bit of IC work because they're, they're still getting started up. But um, over time, like they should be the best person to kind of influence the organization to to achieve whatever they're trying to achieve. Well, that also depends heavily on the product. Let's say, again, mm -hmm. it's like a very technically complex product and maybe they're, they like did a PhD or something in mm -hmm. that space and they're really the only ones with like that depth of technical knowledge to actually implement what they need to do. They might be able to hire some people to do it, but let's say, let's assume it's not possible for now <laughs> and like they're the only ones to do it. In that case, the biggest effect that they would have on the organization would to be an IC. Right. So I think it it varies based off of like their preferences of what they're doing. And but I think regardless of you should still focus on what can you do to make the organization like grow, uh, be better as much as possible. That should be your primary focus. Nice. I like how we agreed that we just don't have a single answer to if they're going to be in the IC or the manager path, just because being a founder is it is not part of any of this path. It's making sure that you're contributing uh, to even have these set up to begin with. Because a lot of times when you're a founder, you don't always tackle this levels to begin with. It's not the first priority for a lot of uh, startups, for example, just because a it's something that you define as you grow as, at a company. There's not, you just don't pull up a sheet and be, this is what we're going to be using from day one. And the founder uh, or the founders that are technical, they also respect that at the end of the day, which is something I want to point out is that it's not because you're a founder that you're already at the end phase of one of these paths. So if you're saying that uh, you have a technical founder who's super involved with the product because it's a very technical product, it doesn't mean that they're already at the end of being the highest level possible IC, right? They could definitely be a you know uh, senior engineer 
And there's there are going to be moments where you're going to feel blocked. There are moments where you're going to realize that not everybody in the organization has the resource to provide the next level on top of it. Do you guys have some ideas in terms of like, if ever you see somebody stuck at a level and there's not really any other resource currently at the company to help that, what are some ways to to progress this, to extend this ladder at the end, whether it be reaching out or... Find another job. <laughs> you, you have to like get more exposure to different examples. What do you mean by extend the ladder? You mean like add a new title or like, I mean, I think everyone at an organization should have the same, whether you're a founder or whether you've just been hired as like a junior engineer, like your, your mindset should be like, how can I have the greatest impact that I can with my current capabilities um, right uh in terms of and i think there is like a disconnect between titles and responsibilities sometimes like they're not always you know matched one to one um like you could have a lot of responsibilities and be a junior engineer technically um yeah so if you're talking about adding like a new title to like a ladder i don't think that's like particularly important i think what's more important is being able to uh help help the people within your organization understand their role within mm -hmm. the organization, how to further impact, uh, create like a bigger impact within the organization. If you provide that path, maybe titles are somewhat obsolete and you compensate everyone fairly. I think levels and titles are just like a nice abstraction to have to, to compensate people and make sure people have general ideas of um, their impact. Their, their yeah what they should be doing and their general impact yeah 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 i'm, I'm glad you you kind of reformulated the way i was uh trying to put this is that yes um the, the my initial question was kind of like uh, if you hit a plateau if, if you have engineers that are not founders that are not at the highest level and they've kind of hit a plateau in terms of like what is defined as the next level then yeah that would be a really good way of looking at what exactly their responsibilities are and just using that as an indicator for other future projects and future responsibility that they will tackle and then you'll use that more as a guide than as opposed to just giving them a better title if you know what i mean so putting the emphasis on the the role the task that's probably a lot more re reflective to what they're going to do at the end of the day so yeah that's a really good approach on the founder level because uh you know a lot of people i mean for us at least we've got to experience talking to different founders which is great and uh i just want to put a quick side note on contractors I don't know if you guys have, have worked with a lot of different contractors before, but from my experience of seeing them, uh, you know, part of this uh, community of engineers, given you're a freelance developer and you're looking at these roles and how you want to advertise yourself, should you kind of position yourself to be part of this ladder system as well, even as a freelance uh, developer? As in, do you want to go into some negotiations and be like, I want to be compensated this much? because I consider my own skill as a principal engineer or uh, from your experience of, you know, talking to different freelance, do they actually think like that? I believe freelancers put those titles on their profiles. Mm -hmm. um, the thing is generally I put less weight on if they're titling themselves, like you probably want to look more at what they've actually done, their years of experience, the stuff that they've actually accomplished throughout their career more so than the title and see if that, aligns with what you need in a freelancer from yeah from what i've seen like freelance do have a slightly more free way just because they're freelancer to define how they work so yeah you could definitely take that with a grain of salt at the end of the day because i would love to just call myself 
Yeah, I've been a VP of. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I've been director of engineering for the past four years, so that's pretty cool. Um, directed yourself. Yeah, <laughs> every day. It's difficult, man. Right? <laughs> From midnight to midnight. <laughs> um, but um, yeah, and there's also not. There's actually one really interesting case where uh, I've gone to speak to a freelance CTO actually. That was uh, somebody who came in from uh, to work with smaller companies just because you can't fully have a CTO if, for example, the founders are not confident that they want to be the CTO. That's kind of outsourced expertise that they could bring in as well. So I wouldn't say that never happens. That's something that I've seen. Uh, but yeah, definitely like the whole freelance world is definitely another, probably another topic that we talked about outside, at some other point. Um, yeah, just to wrap this up, actually, like the, the, final, the final point that we could uh, talk is... Uh, do title even matter? Do job titles even matter at the end of the day? We've talked about it so much this time. Is that for for you as an engineer, for you in your career of being whether an IC manager or even just being part of the engineering community, what do you think? Do engineering titles matter, Andy? I think they do. I mean, it kind of like um, it kind of shows like how much a company values an employee. Like um, if they are truly skilled and uh, they they kind of deserve that kind of respect of being a senior then yeah I just give them the name it's not that difficult but I think uh, it matters a lot more as you go further up into the uh, the levels because um, the title carries like some sort of authority with it like it's definitely possible to to like influence other people using like um, I don't know like implied implied authority like say you're the most skilled person in the team so everyone respects you but then you sometimes will need like that institutional authority of like the title as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that, that I, I'm going to say credentials, but it's also mm-hmm. the same equivalent of somebody has a degree in something. It's just slightly more credentialed at the end. Mm-hmm. Is that how you see it, Stan? Or just in general, like do titles, job titles even matter in the engineering world? I, I actually liked Andy's explanation. I was probably a little bit more on the other. Like I, I like thinking about it in like the most theoretical sense, where everyone can evaluate each other's abilities and responsibilities like very accurately without the need for titles. I think titles are nice to have as like, like a like kind of like an abstract heuristic of what to expect from someone, but uh, that wouldn't be necessary if everyone could just immediately evaluate everyone and like their capabilities. Um, but yeah, there, there are definitely benefits to having like a title. So in the real world, yes, they do have value. In my mental world, they, they would be obsolete. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. I think, yeah, even from my point of view, if I think job titles are, uh, you know, good or not or necessary in the engineering world, I think from a higher level it is. Uh, I think from the lower level where you try to differentiate the responsibility between a software engineer who's been working for two between three years, like what kind of thing you should give, I think it's slightly less important. Uh, and if we just tie it all back to the fact that responsibilities and tasks and how people contribute stuff, I think that's definitely the essence, the core of what's important for an organization at the end. A lot of the job titles itself, I would consider as formality, but um, as an individual, somebody in the engineering community, I think it's on you to make sure that you are contributing, that you are taking on more responsibilities and, you know, putting the expectation that you're going to crush every single one of them. So yeah, I think job titles do matter, but what's even more important is the responsibility and tasks behind those titles. Well, that's the end of it. Thanks for joining us and uh, I'll catch you guys on the next episode.